Ben Schwab and <laughs> we have our Bible this morning. Let's turn to Daniel. Daniel's right after Ezekiel, if y'all can find that. <laughs> I'm looking, it's about two-thirds of the way through. Daniel 1, we'll read 1 through 8. Y'all hear me okay? In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and laid siege to it. The Lord handed Jehoiakim, king of Judah, over to him, along with some of the vessels from the house of God. Nebuchadnezzar carried them to the land of Babylon, to the house of his God, and put the vessels in the treasury of his God. The king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of his court officials, to bring some of the Israelites from the royal family and from the nobility, young men without any physical defect, good-looking, suitable for instruction in all wisdom, knowledgeable, perceptive, and capable of serving in the king's palace, and to teach them the Chaldean language and literature. The king assigned them daily provisions from the royal food and from the wine that he drank. They were to be trained for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to serve in the king's court. Among them from the descendants of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. The chief official gave them different names. To Daniel, he gave the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. Uh, let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we do thank you that we have privilege to freely come and to worship you. God, we uh, realize that we have this freedom simply because you have granted it to our country. We ask you to protect this nation and its liberties. May we always have the freedom to worship you in truth and in spirit. Lord, we thank you for your word, and as we look from the book of Daniel. May we see opportunities for us to be better servants of yours, to be faithful to you in everything that we do. Lord, we, uh, we thank you for the privilege that you have given us to live in this nation with so many freedoms. God, with those freedoms come responsibility. 
mold us and make us into the responsible Christian people we should be for you. We'll give you the glory for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the book of Daniel is, is a good lesson on surviving in a modern world. Uh, I kind of laughed when I thought of it, but uh, when I read this passage of Scripture, I couldn't help but think about somebody in control of the television having that remote control. Somebody with that remote's in charge of whatever's on that television. <laughs> what you pointing at him for? <laughs> he grinning because he knows you're right, huh? I keep it myself. <laughs> I understand that. Oh, me. <laughs> Daniel uh, found himself in a situation that he couldn't control. He didn't have a remote. King did. Daniel provides uh, a lot of do's and don'ts for not simply surviving in an anti-Christian culture, but succeeding uh, and truly engaging it to make a, a lot of difference in the culture. Daniel is a story of someone who has confronted the same difficulties and hard decisions that we're called upon to make every day uh, as we live in this modern United States of America. We also find ourselves living in a culture that's speaking a different language. I don't <laughs> now, most of us here are a little bit older today. We don't we can talk about these young folks, but they've got a language all their own. I don't know whether y'all have noticed that. that. They talk about things and use different words that uh, have different meanings to us all the time. And, uh, we, uh, we have to get, uh, <laughs> get accustomed to all of this. And uh, as we find ourselves in, in a culture that speaks as different languages and uh, it raised different literature, uh, I, you know, back... Years ago when we were in school, we read uh, pretty good novelists and, and things like that, and we didn't have all of the stuff that's out there in the world today. So um, They live a different lifestyle altogether. The Babylonian culture was uh, of a different kind than the 21st century culture in the United States of America but not that much. It was very much like the culture in which we live today. Daniel's advice as we look at this book and study through the book of Daniel, and we're going to try to do that, uh, Daniel's advice was don't give in. Be resistant. Insulate yourself, not isolate yourself. We need to protect ourselves and our children and our families and our church and everything else from the new world thinking. Don't give in. Don't give up. <laughs> we need to be consistent. Uh, 
We don't need to become overwhelmed by society. And it's easy to do that in the world in which we live today, to become overwhelmed with the things that are going on in the world. You don't believe that, just turn on the television. You see people on TV you never thought would do some of the things that they do on television now, the channel, the networks especially. I mean, a lot of times they do things that uh, 10 years ago would have been unheard of and people would have been up in arms and run them off the air. Uh, but uh, we don't we don't need to give in to them. We don't need to be overwhelmed by them, and uh, we need to be persistent. We don't need to give out. Uh, Daniel one twenty one told Daniel uh, well says that thus Daniel continued. Uh, <laughs> we need to hang on, not hang up. Uh, and um, we live in a, in a society that's uh, tough to live in today without becoming corrupt. And uh, I'm, I'm talking to, to my age group of folks. You get down in my sons and your children and grandchildren's age, they live in a culture that is completely different from the one we grew up in. There are a lot of things that they just take for granted that you and I would have taken uh, as horrible, <laughs> ungodly, uh, and uh, that sort of thing. Uh, we, uh, we need to be resistant uh, if you will, not we don't need to insulate ourselves from what's going on. We don't need to isolate ourselves. We need to be resistant to what's going on because if if we're not resistant, I'm afraid the younger generation is not too many of them going to be resistant. I mean, we've had guys like uh, Charles Stanley and uh, Adrian Rogers and people like Charles at First Atlanta. He just recently retired. I don't know when his last day's going to be, but I don't know how old he is either, but he's not going to be at First Atlanta anymore. He's, he's old enough to quit. We've got a generation of people our age that are about to get to the age where we're going to stop. But folks, until our minds go, we don't need to stop. We might stop our the regular work-a-day jobs that we have. We might stop a lot of things and doing some of the things that we physically can't do anymore, but as long as our minds work, we ought not to stop because we still have in us, in Jesus Christ, the truth that the world doesn't have anymore. And it's your responsibility and mine to keep that thing alive to keep the word about Jesus alive, to keep the gospel alive. We don't need to get isolated. Uh, there's a few questions that we need to ask and understand uh, what brings us to a point of the point where Daniel was. Daniel's, uh, the scene for Daniel takes place in the northern kingdom uh, southern kingdom Babylon Israel and Babylon Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon took place during his time and Jehoiakim was king of the southern kingdom of Israel and Daniel takes place this writing around 605 years before Christ that's a pretty good little while and I don't, we have a problem sometimes relating uh, to 
those things. And uh, when Daniel was writing, he was writing to the group of uh, Jews that were part of the first groups of captivity when Babylon invaded Israel and took a bunch of the people captive. And uh, Hananiah and Azariah and Mishael, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we, we learned that old song, and our kids still sing about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, when they're coming up, were uh, part of the group that were hauled off into captivity from Israel. They were carried to Babylon. The king inspected and expected, I'll get it out in a minute, the, these men, these young men, to be taught in the ways of Babylon, taught the language, uh, taught the culture, taught uh, the literature and everything uh, that they could be capable of teaching as well. Uh, so this uh, northern kingdom uh, that uh, was there was the one where they were in learning. Uh, this was around 600 years before Christ. Uh, this was a time of severe punishment for Judah. Uh, and folks, I fear if some things don't change in, in the United States of America, there's going to come a severe time for uh, maybe not us, but our children and our grandchildren because God's not going to allow this to go on indefinitely without doing something. Uh, that's just not his nature. Um, by the time the captivity was complete in uh, 586 B.C., history tells us, Daniel had already been in Babylon 20 years, so he had learned a lot. And... Uh, we might ask what was taking place. Uh, if you look at verse two in what in our in Daniel chapter one, if I can put my finger on it, the Lord handed Jehoiakim king of Judah over to him, talking about the king of, of Babylon, along with some of the vessels of the house of God. So that. It seems from, from what we read that God handed them over. Now, <clears throat> there comes a point, I'm going to get around here, I get, you can still hear me, I'm wearing this microphone. There comes a point in, <clears throat> in our lifetime as a nation, we can become so bad, even though God is still there, that he allows things to happen to us that... We just are aghast at, and, and God has allowed it to take place. Now, we can pray to him, we can beg him, and all of those things, but folks, when our nation is going to hell in a handbasket, and I'll just be honest with you, that's, what happened, that's what's happening to the United States of America. If something doesn't change, we're doomed. It's just coming. And God has done so many things to get our attention. He's knocked at the door several times. And we go back and we look at all of the things that should have gotten our attention as a nation and our relationship to him. Go back and think about the Civil War. 
Boy, that, that, that was brothers fighting brothers. Our nation was fighting itself, basically. And we come along and, and, and get rid of all of that, and we get down to uh, World War One. We got involved in another war. And that, uh, when that was over with, we bounced around and kicked around, and uh, we, we got through the Civil War and, and that war, and we entered into another war. Uh, we got involved in a, another world war, too. And that wasn't enough. What happened after that? Vietnam came along. And I can't remember how many years that lasted. It was a long time. We stayed and fought one way or another in Vietnam, about Vietnam. And people, people in our society, in our culture, they don't understand that God doesn't necessarily cause these things to happen, but he allows them to happen. Why? It's like somebody's at the door. Knock, knock, knock. Come to the door. Let me in. What happened to Israel when they didn't go to the door and let God in? They got carried off to Babylon, didn't they? They got carried off into captivity, and everything changed for them. Their culture changed. Their religious observance changed. Everything changed because they refused to listen to God. Now, what is our trouble today in the United States of America? We refuse to listen to God, even in our churches today. It's hard to find a church that preaches God and, and salvation like it ought to be and Christian living like it ought to be. Churches today just kind of pussyfoot around the gospel, excuse my reference, but they just hop, skip, and jump around the truth, you know. Do anything to keep the pews full and the money coming in so these high-dollar preachers can get paid. Talking about myself again, huh? Uh, Nebuchadnezzar was uh, the remote control in God's plan. He was in charge. He was the king of Babylon. So he got, he got to do what he wanted to do with Israel. Uh, and we need to understand that God judges sin. We've, we've lost the idea somewhere that God judges sin. But uh, what happened to Israel in, in Babylon was God's direct judgment. Folks, we in the United States of America somehow think and have got the notion that nothing like this, nothing like this can ever happen to us. We're the United States. Who in the world would dare to attempt to do something like this? Well, you know, we need to wake up and smell the roses. We do. That's just a fact of life. What happened to them can certainly happen to us. The uh, <laughs> Humanist Manifesto of 1933 revealed the secular humanists, their intention of re-educating and retraining America's brightest young minds. Now, listen, watch for the catchword, re-educate in our culture today. 
it's out there. The government and liberal people have the, the notion to re-educate us. They want to educate us out of Christian belief and into a worldly belief. Take God out of everything. That I mean, that's, that's what they want to do. The Humanist Manifesto of 1973 said this, Bring young people to deny the deity of God and, and the biblical account of creation. That's one of their one of their foundational beliefs. Another one is moral values should be self-determined and situational. Isn't that the society in which we live today? There's no such thing as a set of rules to be guides for our lives. In other words, people have thrown this out with the trash. They do not want to pay attention to what God says anymore. God laid down the rules. We just hadn't got gumption enough to follow them or even try to follow them. They desired to remove distinctions between the roles of males and females. This was the Humanist Manifesto in 1973. How long ago has that been? Over 50 years. I'm going to read that to you again. They desire to remove distinctions between the roles of males and females. <laughs> now, ladies, y'all just close your ears here for a second. I cannot imagine, I cannot imagine a man submitting himself to surgery to becoming a woman. Now, they tell me they can do that in reverse, but I don't know how that works. Some of the most stupid people in the world are going to submit themselves to that kind of nasty, filthy stuff. Look, we let kids this tall decide whether they want to be a boy or a girl when they grow up. And I still say they need to strip them little jokers down and stand them in front of a mirror just as naked as a jaybird. God will tell them who they are. All they got to do is look. It's not rocket science. Just because a kid says, I want to be a girl, doesn't mean you need to take him to a surgeon. Parents have a lot to do with this stupidity. Because parents are just as stupid as the kids to let them do something like that. And besides that, half of them probably have already done it themselves. Amen. We live in a crazy, mixed-up society today that absolutely has thrown God out with the trash. And nobody seems to care. I listen every once in a while to Brother Stanley in that big church and uh, gains in that big church, Bellevue. Now, I never have I never have heard them preach a sermon about that kind of stuff. I, I, I inherited them all. They may have. I don't know. But I hadn't heard any on TV. It's not a big deal, it seems, to a lot of churches today. Maybe churches think they're insulated from this. Folks, we haven't been insulated from anything else. Why in the world do we think we'll be insulated and isolated from that kind of sin? We're not. The devil wants us as bad as God does. 
And we ain't got sense enough to realize that and do what God wants us to do. Time draweth nigh. I better get on the ball here. <laughs> oh, people that advocate sexual freedom are the same ones that advocate abortion and euthanasia. You know, <laughs> euthanasia, brother, is when we get old enough to be put to sleep, they put us to sleep. You know, if, if you get too old and you can't do anything anymore, you ain't worth anything in society, so they just kill you. That's what it's coming to in our country in a rapid pace, too. It's not just abortion. We're killing babies. We're killing older folks, too. And when I look around in here, there are very few of us that don't fit that category. Amen. Hold your hand up, Hannah. She's about the only one that fits that category. <laughs> oh, and we need to pray for that baby and all of our babies because they're inundated with these thoughts and ideas in school. This is education, the education that they're getting today, that it's okay to do these things, to be part of this thought. Oh, my goodness. Not only... <laughs> Do we have a society that believes in abortion and euthanasia, but a society that has promoted equal distribution of American wealth to reduce poverty? What's the government's big thing? Joe Biden wants to break the nation so everybody can be equal. Most politicians do. Most politicians think they have an open purse full of money. Well, I'm going to tell you something. The United States of America is not, let me say it again, is not a cash cow. But our politicians treat our government that way. And whose money is it they're spending? The people. Now, if there was ever a need for euthanasia, it exists on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. Now, y'all can go out and tell everybody you want to that the preacher is preaching about killing all the politicians. <laughs> you won't come with me? <laughs> Ooh, I'm telling you. If we had some men and women that had any sense up there to lead our country, it would be a different thing. But these people obviously are too ignorant to lead a horse to water. I'll get off of that soapbox in a minute. People today believe that they need to control the environment. And they need to develop a one world government. Now, y'all want some Russian dictator telling the world what to do? What about a North Korean? Folks, we have people in the United States that advocate this type of stuff that we need as a world to appoint a one world leader. And it's going to come from the United Nations. Y'all know that, don't you? It'll come out of the United Nations sooner or later. It may not be in our lifetime. God help us. I hope it's not in our lifetime. 
put that baby up there and not going to be exempt from it. I wouldn't doubt in her lifetime that we didn't have a one-world government with a one-world leader. Maybe we need to pray for that to happen because when that happens, the real leader is going to come back. <laughs> and he's going to fix this mess. A lot of people think Jesus is going to come back riding a white horse and be the conquering hero. I don't believe he's going to be on a horse that doesn't need one. But I believe when he comes back, we're all going to see him. The whole world going to see him simultaneously. And everybody that doesn't know who he is going to be scared to death because they had never seen anything like that before. You and I kind of expect that thing to happen. And we'd be looking for it. <laughs> It'd be wonderful if we walked out that door this morning and Jesus was coming down. <laughs> we'd have him. We'd probably have some mass confusion for a little while, but boy, we'd have a rejoicing good time. Gloria Stanham said in 1973 that by 2000, we will, she said, I hope, raise our children to believe in human potential and not in God. And not in God. What happened in Babylon is being repeated in America today. The same thing. That's exactly what happened to them. We've got uh, plan techniques today that are designed to change people. We're steep today in this thing called tolerance. Christianity has fallen for the lie of tolerance. Folks, we ought not to tolerate anything God has not tolerated. And the last time I read the Bible, he did not tolerate sin too well. And we ought to be just as bold as he is and stand up and say it's wrong. If the world's ever going to change, it's going to be because of people like us taking the reins, so to speak. We're no longer discerning of sin. People today allow little by little, little, little by little, everything to creep in. Well, you know from raising children, if you give them an inch, what are going to take? A mile. And that's happening in our country. Our leaders have given the inch. And now our society wants the mile. And when we get it, we're going to wish we hadn't. Daniel walked in the same type of world we live in today. But he was resistant. <laughs> Daniel... He was a brave character. His parents had trained him in the way that he should go. Daniel accepted Babylonian education. He handled it. He handled the influence around him, but he purposed in his heart. He didn't try to separate himself from the culture. He was capable of interacting in the culture and still being faithful to God, not be contaminated by the culture. We're never going to be the salt and the light until we learn to be isolated. 
And I don't mean withdraw from society. I mean to withdraw from sin, to be isolated from sin. Daniel had purposed in his heart long before he got in Babylon. The Word of God was his criteria for living in that situation. And it should be ours today. If you read this, <laughs> this passage about Daniel, I love this. When the king told his men to go out and get these young fellows and bring them in, and they were going to educate them and all that, we're going to give them all the finest food there is in the world. And uh, Daniel sent word back to the king that he didn't want to eat the king's delicacy. This stuff violated his, his beliefs as a Jew. He wasn't supposed to eat these things. And the guy didn't want to go back to the, to the king and tell him that Daniel wasn't eating his food. He had given him fruits and vegetables. He was scared of the king. Daniel said, well, I, look, just give me a test for a few days and let's see if it worked. If, if I'm all right, then everything will be fine. And that's exactly what he did. He did. He ate what God said he could eat. Guess what? God blessed him. He was still a healthy little Ben, and uh, the servant of the king kept feeding him what God wanted him to have. And what happened to Daniel? He was blessed. He pretty well took over Nebuchadnezzar's mind and heart and kingdom because he did what God wanted him to do. If we're ever going to change the way this country acts, smells, tastes, runs, walks, does whatever it does, if we're ever going to do that, it's because Christian people unite and do what God wants us to do. And when we look sin in the eye, say that sin is wrong, we're not going to take part in it. And folks, we live in a world today where the church has fallen in line with the government. Why? A lot of it's because of that almighty dollar. A lot of it's just to maintain peace because we don't want to struggle and fight for what we believe. God will bless everyone just like the servant. He blessed that servant because he helped Daniel do what was right. If we help do what is right, God's going to bless us. We just need to make up our mind to do it, to live by it, to stay square by it, to stay in it day and night, every day from now on. And people call us old footy duties. I imagine they've done that already. But that's all right. I'd rather be an old footy duty standing for God than I had somebody rich and famous standing in line with the king. That's just the way it is. We need to do what God wants us to do. As we say in the South, come hell or high water, we need to do what God wants us to do. Let's stand, we'll be dismissed. Thank y'all for being here today. Putting up with me. Sir? Was that the bones? <laughs> I thought that.